Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. And you know, it's interesting, I want to ask you while you're listening, does anyone ever imagine what heaven's like? Does anyone ever try to imagine? So we've been talking about it lately. Um, Quite a lot of us have lost people that we really love. And we've been talking about for the mums and dads have lost little children and for people have lost, a friend lost a 19-year-old son to a stroke and we've lost parents. And we were just dreaming the other day about what would heaven look like? Well, I could imagine my dad just dancing on streets of gold because my dad was like a dancer. He loved ballroom dancing. I could imagine him doing that. And then when someone else's mother died, I went, oh, look, you'll probably have a dance with her. And we were just laughing about it. But then I said, what age bracket do you think there'll be the most of in heaven? And I think it's babies. You think about it. Every child that never made it, for whatever reason, it's like, wow, is that like Jesus will be surrounded in toddlers? Like, can you imagine how gorgeous that would be getting to heaven and every one of us that arrives at whatever age we arrive, that there's little ones everywhere. Who would be happy about that? Yeah, so is that not a beautiful picture? So one of the reasons I do this is that I try to use my God-given imagination to get a glimpse of what I am moving towards. My mother turns 90 in May and so she's closer to it than me. At least we think that. Although her mother lived until she was 106 months. So, you know, you just never know how long or how short. But we do need to stop and think about how magnificent are the things of God and what are we moving towards? Because that imagination helps us. Do you, do you think so? Yeah, but sometimes we don't even take the time. So I did love the picture of littlies everywhere, particularly as I watched all the littlies just playing and running and wiping, you know, with their um, flags. It's just beautiful. So I'm very grateful. And the big ones, I'm very grateful for that. So I've got a scripture for you tonight. I thought I'd read you the whole thing because, you know, I started today with Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I just want to take you back a little bit and read to you it in the Passion Version, if I can. Here we go. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Who's happy about that? Okay, it gets better. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore Him with undivided devotion. And avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. But, oh, that is so good. I love the Passion Version. I've been reading the Passion Version and the message after I read the NIV. I'm just doing a little jump, jump, jump. Does anyone else do that besides me? You read all the versions? It's like, let me hear that again. I need to hear it in another version. And then I jumped over 
So we're still in chapter 3. That was chapter 3, verse 5 onwards. And this starts at, oh, I can't read it. It's too small. It's about, I think it's about 27. My child, never drift off course from these two goals for your life, to walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Don't ever forget how they empower you for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to do what's right. You will be energised and refreshed by the healing they bring. They give you living hope to guide you and not one of life's tests will cause you to stumble. I mean, it just gets better and better. It keeps going. How many of you need to go home and read that again? So Proverbs chapter 3 is powerful because my girlfriend and I, she's been reading one proverb every day and contemplating what that means for her and I've been reading slabs of it. And so we've been doing a little comparison on what we're getting out of Proverbs. And then every Tuesday we're meeting and we're walking and praying, walking and praying. How many of you, you're better prayers when you walk? All right, so some people, I want you to know, some people just work better when they're moving. And you stay awake. Because some people, when they pray, go to sleep. Come on, who's had experience that besides me? In my most trying times in my life, when my friends would pray for me, I would go to sleep. And I realised that was such a gift. But on the other hand, it was also, oh, I'm missing out. So praying and walking is a beautiful thing to do. And particularly if you just get up and walk around your block and just pray for all the homes on the block. Because don't you think that God's going to give you a chance to speak to those people at some stage? So I was talking to Colin about my message this morning and Colin said, yeah, you were a bit all over the place. That's what I love about my husband. He's logical and analytical and left brain. And I'm right brain. I'm all over the place. But it sort of works, you know. God does that, doesn't he? He puts us together and says, we're going to bring out the strengths in one another. But he did remind me, it would be really good to share what the revival moments in my life have activated in me and what might you want activated in you. Because it's one thing to have this glorious experience in worship as we did tonight. I just love the fact that your church takes time to worship, to strengthen, to refresh. And for some of you, you just need to sit and let it wash over you. How many of you do that? You just sit and let it wash over you? And, and how many of you just like sing your little hearts out? Give me a wave. And how many of you hate putting your hand up? <laughs> all right, so I need you to respond to me, all right? I need you to talk to me with your hands when I'm asking you. It really helps. So Sunday night, Colin and I dropped my daughter and her partner, 28 years of age, back to the airport to fly back to the Netherlands. They've been living there for five years and we haven't seen them for three years because of the COVID situation. So we hadn't seen our baby from 25 to 28. Like she came back a woman. It was like, oh, oh, oh. And then saying goodbye, we just kept clinging on. You know, when you just have one more hug, just hold a bit longer, another squeeze. Of course, of course we're all bawling our eyes out, waving goodbye. And I walked out of the airport and I said to Colin, we need to go to church. He's like, what do you mean? I said, we need to go to church. He said, where? I said, I don't know, whoever's got one on at this time. (laughs) So we get on the app, you know, who's got church close to that? We walked in to church and all we wanted to do was say thank you to God 
for the amazing month of connection we had with our daughter and her partner. Tice and Kelly are just an incredible little unit together and my friends Danny and Arthur have been praying with us for years for this couple and we saw so much breakthrough in one month of joyous connection. It was almost like, and as they left, they said, we've just pressed the restart button. We're just starting afresh again as adults. And I love that. And I just went, God, I just want to thank you. So we went to church and we sang for about two hours and then they said, oh, someone's got a message now. We went, oh, I like this type of church. We had time just to sit and be refreshed. So just don't take for granted the fact that your worship teams are willing to stay and practice and work on songs and then make space for us to just, just sit in it. How many of you loved it tonight? Yeah. You had a great team tonight. You had a great team this morning. It's like, you're all great. So wait a minute. Who wasn't here this morning? Oh, hello. Give me a wave again. Big wave. Oh, there's lots of you. Oh, I'm making the assumption that you all know me. Who's never heard of me before? Oh, my goodness. I don't know where I've been. All right. So you need to know, firstly, background, sports psychologist, also a physical education and French teacher, and then a promoter in a nightclub, and then I found Jesus. So God's got interesting ways. So for the last 31 years, we have travelled the world teaching people how to be high performers. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? So pretty much teaching them all the truths that God teaches us, but just never quoting the Bible. Like telling them things that are deep wisdom, straight out of the Word of God about how to do life well, how to do sport well, how to do business well, how to excel in music. doesn't matter what the aspect of your life is. It's what are these truths? So what we're doing, we're activating people to take what I consider sort of my trademark belief, do it small, do it simple and make it doable. Like do something. Small, simple, doable. Everyone say small, simple, doable. Is it doable? Yes. Yeah. So we're going to look for some activations because while we are seeking revival, and I was explaining this morning, revival is meaning getting your strength back or vival, getting strength in the first place. Revival, getting your strength back and also awakening, awakening up to what you're made for, awakening up to what you're called for, awakening up for the things that are inside of you, ready for you to pour out on the people around you that you've let stay dormant. Who's got some things in them that are still dormant, please, besides me? Hold on. Remember this communication thing? How many have got dormant things? Beautiful. Okay. So we know that we need to sometimes get released and find release. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the way I'm constantly trying to activate myself in the things of God. Firstly, I've got all my devotionals up here. I usually read four devotionals at the moment. How many of you read a devotional? So I'm reading a bit of Bill and Benny Johnson, Mornings and Evenings. Here's a little word from Bill. How many of you like Bill? Yeah. yeah, I love. And Bill says, 
There is no such thing as secular employment for a believer. Once we are born again, everything about us is redeemed for the kingdom purposes. It is all spiritual. It is either a legitimate kingdom expression or we shouldn't be involved in it at all. Like, yes, you tell me, Bill. So, so I read a bit of Bill and then I read Jesus Calling. Has anyone read Jesus Calling? You know, it's written so that it feels like God is talking directly to you. And today is my parents' wedding anniversary. They would have been married 68 years. But they made it to 64 while my dad was still alive, which was pretty awesome. And my mum raised us Catholic and my dad was the best volunteer in a Catholic school you could ever get. But he never found Jesus until he was 70. That's hanging out a long time. And you know his best friend was a Christian brother? Do you know, like one of the brothers that worked in the school. I said, Dad... Why is this so hard for you? Well, the pastor in my church that married me told me why it was so hard for him. He said, your dad is such a good guy that he is better than most of the Christians he knows. So he is certainly not coming to Jesus to be a good bloke. He needs to see what the power of the Holy Spirit can do to change a life. And so he watched myself and my brother and my mother and then my best friends and he just watched over the years and watched what God did. And at age seven, he went, I surrender. <laughs> I love that. So this is my little message from Jesus calling this morning, straight from God, walk by faith, not by sight. As you take steps of faith, Depend on me. I will show you how much I can do for you. If you live your life too safely, you will never know the thrill of seeing me work through you. When I gave you my spirit, I empowered you to live beyond your natural ability and strength. That's why it is so wrong to measure your energy level against the challenges ahead of you. How many of you have ever done that? It's like, I'm getting tired. Who's ever thought to themselves, I'm getting old. So I just want to really challenge that. He's, the issue is not your strength, but mine, says God, which is limitless. By walking close to me, you can accomplish my purpose in my strength. So it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I mean, how many of you need a good new devotional? Yes. So look, I'm sharing because on this one I just got this year, Dr. Caroline Leaf, switch on your brain every day. Uh, from the point of view of a sports psychologist, can I just tell you that's a great idea? Switch on your brain. Like use more. I have written on my mirror in red lipstick, she smiles at the future. She laughs at the days to come. Because I have had seasons where I wasn't smiling and I wasn't laughing and I needed those scriptures. But just last week I wrote, do better today. Do better today. And, and I got that from Dr. Caroline. I was thinking about it. And I'll just tell you a little punch one here. You cannot escape your thoughts because you have built them into your brain. You have built them. Whatever you think about the most grows and gains sufficient Quantum energy to impact your next choice and your next behaviour. 
So I would totally agree with that. But God. But God. That's what she's saying. She said, come on, we've got to make the choice today. All right, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to make space for? We need to make room. Who needs a bit of room? Who needs a bit of margin in their life, please? Just turn off the TV. Just, you know, just saying. Turn off the radio. There is margin when you just quieten things down. I've changed my pattern. At the moment, I did a knee injury. So I played competitive tennis on Thursdays. I did a knee injury. So I'm just getting up in the morning and walking around the block. Just get up and get going. Like just get out the door as quick as I can. Doesn't matter what I'm wearing. Just get out the door, walk around the block and then come back. Because, you know, then I'm fully awake. How many of you need to get out and walk around the block? Yeah. So let me tell you, I'm, a, I'm not a morning person. Maybe you aren't either because you're here at night church. Is there anybody here that is a night person rather than a morning person? Like, yeah, look at this. There's a lot of us. So, you know, Cole and I can be up at one o'clock. We can be working. We can be talking. We can be having a discussion in bed about business at any time of the hour of night and day because we're night people. But therefore, we've got to get up and get going in the morning. I said, all right, I'm going to get up this year and I'm going to walk around the block. I'm going to start like that, start praying. And even though this morning we were up here at church, we, I went around the block on my own early and just went, I'm doing it anyway. Just a little habit, one little habit. So come back, I've got my, got my devotionals to read. I've got the Word of God, which I'm reading in the Passion Version, Book of Proverbs. So I've got a little routine rolling at the moment. But at night, how many of you find it hard to switch off? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So Colin and I have started putting on a Christian app at night called Encounter. We lift, listen for 15 minutes and it's sort of, you know, got all that wavy music behind it so that you learn about Jesus and you go to sleep. Most of the time we hear the first five minutes, except last night. Bing, I'm wide awake. I'm listening because I heard this story one battlefield in the US in the 1800s and there was 8,000 dead in one day. 8,000 men. And so both sides are waiting through the night in their trenches, listening to their dying friends, listening to their injured, calling out help. Nobody moved because they were just thought for sure they'll get shot. And then one soldier just decided he couldn't stand it any longer. And he gathered up every blanket he could find and every water bottle and he walked out onto the battlefield and he started comforting anyone that was still alive. People were calling out, giving them a drink of water, putting a blanket over those that were cold. And he did it for both sides. So he walked right into the middle and helped men on both sides. No wonder I couldn't sleep. I'm like, God, that's the type of sacrificial love we need at least to even help our neighbours. Like you're not asking us to go out on that type of battlefield, but what's going to prompt us to go the extra mile? What is it that you need right now to be able to step out and go, I'm going to do something a bit bolder. Can I just get, get you to do this one thing? So I coach I coach people and they're usually one-on-one coaching sessions and I usually coach the people for a year. 
So you get to know them pretty well. But I give them a condition. If I'm going to coach you, at the end of every session, I have to give you a blessing before you finish. Oh, and they go, oh, that's okay. They don't know what a blessing sounds like or looks like. They've never had a blessing before, but they'll take the blessing because it's compulsory. (laughs) So we start off like this. Usually I'm online, so I'm seeing them through the computer. I'm blessing you to have a day of peace today. I'm blessing your family, that your family are going to be really cooperative today. I'm blessing your business that it's going to flourish today. And I'm blessing you that you're going to feel this incredible sense of energy to get more done today. And I go, amen. And they say, amen. (laughs) And so the next appointment, I go, you ready for the blessing? You know, the end of the session. And I'll go, yeah. All right. I do another blessing. And then I'll get to the third week and I go, oh, have we got time for a blessing? They're like, yeah, you you can't, that's the best part. You can't leave the blessing out. (laughs) So I have learnt that sometimes we are so fearful of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, offending people, when in actual fact, never does a blessing offend anybody. And we have the ability to bless. Do we not? Just to just to step out and say something. Like in the supermarket, I do it. But then I've had a bit of practice. And I might say, I might meet someone and go, and I said, you look sad. You know, we're just walking past each other with a trolley. You look sad. She goes, yeah, it's, I'm having a tough day. And I'll just say straight on the spot, well, I'm blessing you to have a better day that you're going to find that there's peace that comes into your heart and that you're going to feel that you're surrounded by God. Bye. I don't wait, I just keep going because I know that the gift is just left, it's deposited, it's like depositing. How many of you think that you could deposit more? Yeah, so remember, it's a practice. This is a, it's a tool in your toolkit, it's a skill and you practice it. And when we are trying to grow in the things of God, we've got to somehow get free of what people think. And one of the ways I got free is that I was, you know, I always go to big conferences. Cole and I go to every conference we can go to. We've been going to them ever since we met. You know, we get everyone involved. The kids have usually been with us and so we're, you know, we're navigating children at the same time. But we just went. We'd go to Hillsong. We'd go to the AOG conference. We'd go to the CCC conference. We'd go to the international whatever it was. And we just went. If there was a conference on, we were going. Why? because Colin and I needed our brains washed. We have both grown up without the things of God and all the stuff that was in us needed to be washed out and we knew it was going to take a bit of time. So we just kept showing up. We just made an effort, made a decision, we're going to turn up at conferences. And of course, some of those conferences, revival broke out. Amazing things happened. And one of the things that I can remember is I'm sitting in the seat in a big auditorium. I think it was like the glass house. I'm sitting there with my husband and I watched a couple of people get up and start running around the room. And I heard this little sense. I don't know if it was God or me. I dare you. (laughs) I dare you. Now, you know what it's like when you're sitting down? The hardest part is to stand up. So it's all right to, it's all right while you're sitting. It's like, I dare you. It's like, how long did I think about that? The whole meeting, I never went. I went home and I was so 
disappointed with myself. Like, really? Did it matter what people thought? Was God just giving me a little nudge to go? You wanna run, run. And I was telling him this morning that when I get prayed for at the altar, sometimes what happens to me, well, at least happened for the, like the first three years. I was just running on the spot at the altar. So I should have lost all fear about what people thought about me by then. But here I was in a big room with people that knew me and I couldn't get up. Next night came, the meeting's going on and a few people started to run. And nobody said, I dare you. Oh God, did I miss you? So I did this. Jumped down on my seat and I ran. I just kept running because I almost knew I couldn't think about it because I would talk myself out of it. There was no logical reason why Lisa needed to run except that I'd heard God last night say, I dare you. And I ran around this big room and I ran. I kept running. I don't know how long I ran for. I was tired when I got back to my seat. But most importantly was, I recognised when I went home that I'd just broken away a little bit of this feeling that I had to look good. Because remember, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm a speaker that was known by the leaders in the churches. I wasn't an unknown person to them and I was about to look foolish. Or was I? All I knew is when the senior pastor was rolling under her chair, she looked pretty foolish too. And I didn't have to do that. So I'm like, I just ran. And then we started to realise, Colin and I, that when we come back from conferences, we'd, we'd feel empowered to take more risks. So, I, I, you know, I'd started a prayer group in my home because my child had gone to the local um Government primary school. And God spoke to me, said, start a prayer group. I thought, ask someone who's not busy. Like, I'm busy. Isn't that funny that you, like, and then I thought, well, I could just ask the school principal and she'll say no anyway. So I went to see the school principal and she said no. So I just relaxed and went, oh, yeah. All right, I understand. And we chatted away and we must have chatted for another 10 minutes. And then I'm walking out the door and she says, oh, yeah, you can. It's like, oh. So I put a little notice in the newsletter to say, we're going to have a little group of people who are going to gather together and pray for the children and any families that are struggling. And seven people responded. Two of them were teachers and our prayer group was up and running. And do you know what? That prayer group changed me. Because everyone that came was unchurched. Everyone sort of knew that it was, they were sort of curious about what are they going to do? So when they walked in, we'd just give them a cup of tea, a piece of cake, very important, a piece of cake, a cup of tea, a piece of cake and a box of tissues. Said, you're going to need this. And we just... We'd pray for each person and, you know, have our cup of tea and piece of cake and go off 
And you know what? It went like wildfire through that primary school. And then the Catholic school started, their mum started to come. And then the primary school down the other corner started to come. We had up to 40 mums in my home with their children, you know, everyone that was under school age. It was out of control and I thought, we need more space. So I went knocking on the local churches because I went to church. I went to church at Richmond, which is now Numa, but I used to travel in and we lived in Sandringham, so 40 minutes away. So I went to Sandringham and I went to the Anglican church and said, can we use your room? And then went to the Catholic church and then went to the Uniting Church. The Uniting Church pastor went, sure. I said, there's a lot of kids. She said, sure. I said, you really don't mind? I said, I don't know if they come to your church. She said, does not matter? She said, you're very welcome to come and pray in our church. So I look back at that and she was a hard living, smoking type of person. Like she was not my idea of what I thought the pastor should be. So talk about takeaway judgment. God's always on my case about stripping away any preconceived ideas I have about what people should be like. Do you know? Because can't we get those? Oh, if you're the pastor's wife, you should be like this. Sorry, Jess. Like everybody gives a little box. And I know because my friends who are pastors over there, I've walked alongside my girlfriend as she's been under that pressure for 30 years. The pastor's wife is meant to fit into that box. It's like, no. As far as I've seen, every pastor's wife is unique. And that every one of us have to stop having our little opinion on what people should be like. Oh, you like that too? Come on. So part of this is the running. And then the running leads to, well, what have we got to activate? And then we've got the the praying going. And then because we had the praying going, a man from the primary school came and said, well, could we have some ladies to volunteer to teach RE? And I said... No, no, I didn't say exactly. I said, I'll pray about it. But inside I said, no way. And I had a little chat with God about it and said, I know God, I'm made for the stages of the world. Because I was speaking in big arenas around the world. But guess what God needed to do to me? God opens doors, God closes doors. Every door he's ever opened, Colin and I could never have opened it. Every arena we've ever spoken in, we could have never made it happen. And we look at that and God had a little, he didn't need to say anything really. (laughs) I realised I was about to be the next volunteer for RE. Still laugh about that because I went on to teach for years and then I started speaking in churches and recruiting men and women and young people to go and teach RE. And I think of all the thousands of kids that got their beautiful lesson half an hour a week. Never did I dream that they would block RE from schools. And I just look back and go, thank you God for the that window of time where I've got to tell you, while I was teaching the kids at RE, I was learning the Gospel. Because you know when you have to take something complex and make it simple, you actually grow. And so it was 
God giving me a gift. And so then we're teaching RE and so a lady comes to us and says, we've got all this spare bread at Brumby's. Who's going to take it round on a Tuesday night? I thought, not me. (laughs) Not me. But you know what? Two other women volunteered and they said, if you do it, Lisa, we'll do it. I said, all right, I'll try it. This was a turning point for me. So the bread, we have to go to Brumby's, pick up the big bags of bread, take it back to your house, sort it into small plastic bags so it's, you know, sort of evened out for all the people. So, you know, like we're trying to get about, I'm going to say, 10 bags each. It's a lot of bread. Anyway, I thought, well, I'll take it to all the single mums in prep. Oh, no, there was too many. I'll take it to all the single mums in my son's prep. Four. I said to them, do you want free bread Tuesday night? I said, sure. They said, do you deliver it? <laughs> I said, I think so. <laughs> so Tuesday night, Colin would watch me. I'm packing up the bread, putting it in the bags, saying a quick prayer, oh, God, help me. <laughs> anyway. I would arrive at their house and sort of give them a little bit to say I'm there. And I would hear the kids scream out after about, I've been doing it about six weeks. The kids would scream out, Mum, the bread lady's here. (laughs) So that became my favourite nickname. I'm the bread lady because all my girlfriends used to call me the bag lady because I always carry stuff. (laughs) And I was like, the bread lady. And the kids would then start to greet me. So we made an agreement, every single mum. I said, all right, every time I come, you need to tell me one thing to pray for. I'm going to go away, pray for it that week. And when I come back, you've got to tell me if you've got it. They're like, sure. So I arrive at one of the mums. She's got four kids. Her husband had gone off to find himself, but never managed to find his way back. Four under six. This woman was a saint. Anyway, I go into her house and she go, quick, come, come to the laundry. What am I going to see? She says, the washing machine's not working. Pray for that. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to tell her I don't specialise in washing machines. (laughs) Like, prayers don't work for washing machines. I didn't know what to say. So all the kids were watching. Stuck my hand on the washing machine. <laughs> Closed my eyes. Jesus, please fix the washing machine. She really needs it to work. And then I came back a week later and I didn't dare ask her. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask about the washing machine because I knew the washing machine wasn't fixed. I didn't even pray with any faith. I just said all the right words. And she says, Come. I said, where am I going? To the laundry. She said, no, 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 the washing machine's fixed. I said, what? She said, you know, you prayed for it, the washing machine's fine. Like, I said, where are we going now? She says, there's a nest of wasps in the kids' bedroom. I don't do wasps. 
And here I am praying, Lord God, these are dangerous. We need help. We need you to bring someone that can remove the wasps or they could just all fly out together. And I left, but I'd left cream buns in the kitchen. Like, you know, sweezy things. I thought, I hope they don't all go to the kitchen. Next week, new job. Yes, yeah, the wasps are gone. They left. I said, did someone come? She said, no, they all flew out together. Just the way you said. <sighs> and all I can say is that my faith was growing. My faith was growing. Of course her faith was growing. Of course they were enjoying it. But my, my person was being changed because I was being pushed way beyond what I believed for. And I have a little sign on my computer and it's there at the moment and it says, do hard things. One, because I know doing hard things makes your brain smarter. Two, it keeps dementia away. And three, it makes you realise that there's so many things you put in that category. That we've got to do things that are beyond our comfort zone. So praying for Anybody and anything, it's not your job to fix, to answer the prayer. It's only your job to pray. So how brave do you have to be to say, Jesus, please fix this? Who can do that? All right, who needs to pray more for more stuff? Yes, even the children at prep said to ask me to pray for their goldfish that had died. I was already seeing a funeral. But the goldfish just must have eaten or something. I don't know. The goldfish was back alive, swimming around. And again, once again, prep, teaching Ari to prep, teaching them that God answers and their faith is just whatever you say, they take it face value. How important is it for us right now, right here in this place, for us to find little children to keep teaching about Jesus, find teenagers that you can mentor, Every one of us should be mentoring a little child somewhere in our world, it might be someone in the street, and a, and a teenager. And you know how you mentor teenagers? You take them for milkshakes and food. All right? And then you have earned the right to have a conversation. Are there any teenagers in the room? How many of you are open to food and milkshakes? Thank you. So we can give it a shot. Because what we're saying is, I want to spend some time with you it's easier over food or drinks or both. It's easier. But you know what? There's not a person in our community that doesn't need an other adult to just encourage them. And I'm going to just give you a little testimony about why now we know how effective this is. Last year, an organisation called Kids Hope asked me to be a spokesperson for them, a patron. And I didn't, I'd never even heard of them. And I was no longer in the primary schools teaching RE because my primary school, it was gone. I said, what do you do? They said, we put adults from churches into the primary schools to mentor one child. I said, what if you've got more time and you do two? No, you can't do two. I said, what do you mean you can't do two? I said, no, no, you can do one child for five hours. No, 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 for one hour for the school year. One child for one hour. I went, surely that's not hard to recruit for. 
She said, you'd be surprised. So I'm wondering, because I don't even know, there'll be a primary school somehow connected here, that if Kids Hope comes in, how many of, of you would be willing to visit one child for one hour in school for 40 weeks? How many of you would be willing? So can I get you please to go online and have a look at Kids Hope? Because that's what I'm doing. I'm starting it in two weeks' time at Brighton Primary School, which is the little primary school that's right across the road from the church that we have joined, which is a church plant. So we're talking about activation. You know, Colin and I have been in two churches in our lifetime. One church called Numa, 18 years, and then one church called Bayside, 18 years. And then God had spoken to us and said, I want you to move out. And we're like, we don't want to leave all our friends. Where are we going? Where are you going to send us? Like all of that stuff, we had big arguments and we didn't want to go anywhere because that felt like it was a wrenching. And God asked us to move out and guess what hit? COVID. So we left our church with our pastor's blessing because they knew that we heard God, that we had to go. But we wanted to know, but where? And I've got to tell you that nothing in my wildest dreams would have ever got me to do a church plant until COVID. And a couple rang us and said, would you be interested in helping us plant a church? And Colin and I said, we'll pray about it. But I reckon Colin had already thought, yeah, unlikely. Well, we sat, sat on it, what, eight weeks? And we, I said to him, we're locked in, locked in COVID. I went, well, I've got nothing better to do than to plant a church online. What about you? <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do it. So we're person seven and eight. So now there's eight people in the group and we're going to plant a church online. That already started. And so we have been part of a church plant for the last two years in Brighton Town Hall and we have 100 regular adults and 25 children, which is a complete miracle. Yeah, yeah, you can give God a hand for that. I mean, I said to God, do, do hard things. It's like, oh, this is harder than we thought. But you know what? We're actually feeling like we're walking in the middle of a miracle. The goodness of God. Just because we're just going, be obedient, let's try. Let's see what happens. And, you know, it's, we've been in churches bigger our whole lives and to be in little intimate churches now, we're incredibly excited about the fact that we have relationship with everybody in the church. That's pretty exciting. You know what? Don't ever think that you can't keep expanding your circle of connection in this beautiful community. We've got to make effort to meet people, have a coffee, have a walk, have a prayer walk, have a Bible study. Because, you know, I don't know what type of Bible study you do here. We've started Discovery Bible Study where, you know, you all read a passage and you answer three questions. So it's super simple so that we can all do it. And we're all loving it. Like, oh, this is a good idea. Small, simple, doable. So I know you've been sitting a long time. Quickly, you've got to stand up. Up you go, stand up. I want you to bend your knees to 45 degrees, like this. I've only just been able to do this again because I've hurt my knee. Now, no, yeah. so just stay there. Now, hold on. Don't stick your bottom out like that. Tuck your bottom under. Push your knees over your toes and have a straight back. 
And so what you're doing is you're putting pressure on your quadriceps. This pumps more blood to the brain than nearly any other muscle group. This is a fantastic position for church. (laughs) Do you know you cannot fall asleep in this position? It's a physical impossibility because it's called pain. (laughs) Yeah, come on, don't stand up just because it hurts. Hold it. For some of you, you're very strong. For others, the pain has kicked in a little while ago. (laughs) And the longer we hold it, the more alert and awake we are. And everyone, we should regularly do this in church. So while we're just, oh, okay, firstly, we better just go down 5%. Come on, we're, we're people that are going into revival. Come on. Now, this is called agony. Come back 10%. Isn't pain easy after agony? He's not convinced down again. Now, it would be a bit unfair if I just spoke to you in this position. So come back 10% and see how relieved you are. Repeat this phrase, no pain. Yeah, that is not motivational. Shake your legs out. Shake your legs out. Who's relieved? Yeah. This is the best exercise to do every single day. Go to pain, agony and back and take a break. It's like squats, except you recognise, hey, this I've been training. So the real expression is not no pain, no gain. The real expression is no train, no pain, no gain. People who go into training pass through discomfort and end up with fruit. People who don't go into training just go, no pain, no gain. Something's uncomfortable, it hurts. No, no. As long as we're in training mindset, I'm in training. I'm in training for the, to have the fruits of the Spirit. I'm in training to have better relationships in my church. I'm in training to be able to enjoy the presence of God longer. I'm in training. Everyone say, no train, no pain, no gain. Beautiful. Now shake your whole body out. Because one thing I know that when you're not fully alive, you should give yourself a shake. Come on, shake. Some of you have had no practice at this. All right. And one thing I taught them this morning, shake this. If you come out of a meeting and you're not happy with the outcome, you just shake it off. Everyone got it? It's a very good thing to reset your mind. Just shake it off. Go, yes, I'm not carrying that. If you have a bit of conflict, you just shake it off. Don't do it in front of them. (laughs) Just do a little shake and walk away and go, I don't have to carry that with me. Take a seat, please. Oh, you like that? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? No train, no pain, no gain. So in the training, God has taught me that one, if I want to get energetic and fit, one of the quickest ways to get energetic and fit is just skip. Oh, I thought, well, if I can run, I can skip, surely. But that's not true. Have you ever tried to turn a rope for two minutes and skip it? For two minutes. If you're not a gym workout, a person that's fit, you won't be able to do it. I was amazed. I couldn't. Two minutes. Two minutes, it's such a short amount of time. All you have to do to start is to start skipping. Oh, I know you just sat down, but can I just get you to stand up one more? Come on, quickly, just stand up. I want you to do a little skip. Yeah, so it's, like, it's a jump, isn't it? But when we, when we turn rope, we do it like this. Off you go. 
Turn the rope. That's right. There's a big jump and a little jump in between. That's it. That's it. All right. Here we go. We're going to go fast. Crossover. Now, swing it to the side. Other side. You are so good at skipping. Now, like a boxer. Go. Beautiful. Stop there. How many of you knew that you could skip so well? Point. Take away the equipment and we can skip. We want to get fit. We start with the smallest, simple, doable spot and we are getting fit for God. We're getting fit for life. We're getting fit to be energy, energetic for what we do. We should be able to dance our little hearts out in church for a long time. But it takes effort. And effort means if your heart's pumping like mine is now, then you applied yourself. If your heart's not pumping, you could have gone more effort. And that's the point. We're just going more effort until, because every time your heart pumps, you get stronger. All right, now, I challenge you, when we finish tonight, I dare you to skip to your car. (laughs) Come on, who's going to take the challenge on? Give me a wave. I dare you. Okay, have a seat. This is probably not a good example seeing as I'm puffing, but nonetheless. Have you ever heard this song? Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise His name. Now, oh yeah, I'm glad you know it. Thank you. So when I joined the church, that one was in. That was the, one of the in songs. And I liked it because it was sort of rowdy. It's probably as close to the discotheque as I was going to find. And I did join a church that was rowdy because I thought, well, they look like they're having a good time. And I've just got to say that we need to sing on our own often. You know, it's really important that that's a tool in your toolkit, that when you are down, you sing until the mood changes. Now, that's a song that I remember from way back. I'm raised Catholic, so I've got some Catholic songs in there. And I'm forever grateful for every song I was ever taught as a child. And I thank God that my unbelieving father allowed me to have a Catholic upbringing. They were awesome to me. And even though I walked away when I was 18, Fortunately, by the time I was 26 and the professional tennis player led me to Jesus, I had a foundation. I knew stuff about Jesus. So I had something to build on. So please don't ever get critical about people and their church backgrounds. Don't ever put it down. Don't ever make the assumption it's been bad. Always make the assumption that they've had a little taste of God. All right, because... Condemning others never builds you up. It never builds you up. You know, I, I met Shiloh at the door as I came in and Shiloh just came in and he introduced himself. And I just love the fact that Shiloh was just out there and he put his hand out and just great manners. And I just went, thanks, Shiloh. 
because sometimes we don't put the effort in. We just, we just waltz in. But we don't waltz in ready to shake hands and hug and encourage and pray. We just waltz in like, oh, we're doing our duty, we're turned up. No, we actually should be prayed up when we come in. Should have had your prayer time. Like for me, when I got to church this morning, I'd already listened to the message on Light FM. I think it was from City Life this morning. It was a great message and I was very grateful. Did anyone else hear it besides me? Yeah, look that, that we got a message in the eight o'clock message. We've got time. Then they give you some worship. We're just warming up, ready for church. And sometimes we forget that, that we're coming to bring all the gifts we've got so we can share it. And you know that revival is breaking out when everybody turns up with something. See, I put a packet of snakes under the seat for Jess's kids. I thought, look, in case they need something, do you know? And I've got a basket up here of goodies that I'm just going to just show you what I'm learning at the moment, okay? Just please understand that I'm taking a risk right now, okay? Will you let me take a risk? Okay. So I've been going to the South Pacific with a lady that's 10 years older than me who was a missionary in PNG and she has been encouraging me to prophesy. And she says, come on. And so I was in PNG and I was prophesying and then she said, come on, we're going to Tonga. I'm like, but they're really beautiful and formal and it looked like they knew that I'd was practising. <laughs> I was super scared, but she kept saying, come on, Lisa, I believe the gift is in you, got to practise. So this is what I've been doing to help me practise. All right. What's your name? Paul. Thanks, Paul. I'm going to use Paul. Paul, this book is called Keeping Couples Cooking, Nothing to Do with the Kitchen. <laughs> so I have written 10 books, seven bestsellers and three complete flops. So this is one of the good ones. Now, as I give this to you, Paul, I'm going to tell you, Paul, you, you are born for incredibly deep connections with people. You are actually a man that has the capacity to heal other men by your connection. Like when you talk to men, they listen they felt they feel, felt heard that you actually have a gift to bring healing simply by being with them. Now, I, is this true? Yes. Oh, I've never met Paul before, so praise God. <laughs> the amazing thing about trying to prophesy is that when you have a shot at it, you often touch things that Paul always is going to need to hear this. We always need to have our gift affirmed because the enemy attacks our strengths, not our weaknesses. So there's times I get on stage and I cry side stage. I am scared stiff. And I have a very brave husband that stands with me and prays for me and pushes me on. You know, and so some of them are just big venues and you can't see anybody. There's thousands of people and you've got the lights in your eyes. And I'm like, <gasps> like I'm terrified sometimes because even I've got questions of why me? But he says, you say yes, I'll make you able. So one, this is called Jump for Joy. This was recorded, I'm going to say 20 years ago 
when I was being asked to speak for women. Bobby Houston asked me to speak for colour and then Chris Pringle asked me to speak for her conference. And I'm like that. It's like, no, I'm a business speaker. I can't speak for God. And this was recorded at their church. So this is coming to you, the lady in red. What's your name? Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsten, I want to give that to you. Now that jump for joy is a gift for you because you have a gift of joy. You have a gift to give joy. You have a gift to let your heart open for others. You have a gift that allows you to bring joy. I want you, every time you look at that, to do a little jump like this, look. (laughs) Because on on that message that I did for those women, I talked about the fact that I had postnatal depression. I had no joy whatsoever. I was down, down deep in the pit. And my girlfriend arrived at the front door and she said, I've looked up the meaning of joy. I said, what does it mean? She said, it means to jump and twirl and leap like a deer. I went, well, I'm not doing that. She said, oh, yes, you are. She said, I have come to bring joy. (laughs) And so she had me firstly skipping down the hallway and then jumping and twirling. And then she said, here's your big chance, Lisa, try the deer thing. (laughs) And just as you're laughing at me, we were laughing at one another. And I thought all it took was one woman to turn up and said, I've got joy for you. So you are a woman of joy and I'm so grateful to be able to share that with you. When I'm prophesying, do any of you feel like, pick me, pick me, pick me? Who's in that category? Like, pick me, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I want that, I want you to know that that's what I always do. When I'm in a conference, I'm going, pick me. I'm not looking down, I'm looking up. Because I thought getting a prophecy meant that I'd get an insight into myself. I didn't know it was a warning that hard times were coming. In other words, you need the prophecy because the enemy is about to attack your gift, about to challenge your gift, try to try to make you feel small instead of make you feel powerful in the things of God. And when he tries to attack your gift, you go, oh, but you already have the prophecy spoken to know. No, 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 no. You do not have to worry because God's already spoken it in advance, telling you in advance, What's your name? Alan. Alan, do you mind if I give you something, Alan? Is Alan a good guy? Yeah. Oh, that was a quick response. Alan, this is called the life lifter because life's too short to be miserable. (laughs) Now, Alan, the word for you is that you lift up the burdens of others. This is a life lifter. You're not, you've lifted burdens off people's shoulders. You've helped them carry burdens. I think you obviously experience burdens. You know how they can weigh you down. And yet you have allowed others to walk with you and you would lift their burdens with them. You've known how to take them to God in prayer. You've known how to allow the goodness of God to literally lift you both. And when you've seen the burdens lifted off the person you've walked with, there's something has lifted off you. But Alan, your best days of lifting are ahead of you. This is a frightening thing, isn't it? Come on. 
that God actually has burdens for you to walk alongside people and for you to trust God. He's not finished with you yet. He's got lots to do with you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for letting me speak that. You shouldn't be here. 12 years ago, you were given three months to live. Well, Alan, talk to God about that. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. Candice, single or married? I just saw you. Single or married? Single. Any chance that you might like a family in the future? Yes. Is it part of your expectation that you will have, get married and have children? Yes. Good. Because I felt inclined to give you, I'm a walking, talking miracle for children, the Radical Rev Up kit for the next age bracket, 9 to 15, chocolate to go with it. You're going to need a boost bar. You're going to need Jump for Joy. And now this is called the Mood Maker. So this was an idea that was pretty radical. When God gave it to me, it works like this. If you need inspiration, you pick a red page. And if you need to calm down, you pick a blue page. And if you lost your sense of humour, you pick a green page. And if you need to think clearly, you pick a white page. And if you need a little help to be optimistic, you have a yellow page. So who thinks this could be useful? Yeah, so you take it to the workplace and everybody, you tell people what their mood is for the day. Like, it's a fantastic, fun thing. But you're getting all these things because I, I've never, I don't know if I've, have I met you before? Once when I came, so I saw you up in church and I said, what's her name again, Candice? So Candice, I feel like I'm sowing into your life. Like God knows the plans He has for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope, but that you are someone that is going to influence a lot of people and you're going to need all the resources that God can pour into your hands because you're also a distributor of resources. You're not a dam, you're a river. Things don't dam up in you. You receive and you give, you receive and you give, you receive and you give. And He says, if you keep giving, I'll keep pouring. So that's the word for you. Is it true? (laughs) But see, this is the exciting part for me. When I go into places where I don't know people to go, God wants to encourage you. So I want you to have a little go at this. Because this is not just me who's trying to train it. He's trying to train you. How many of you love the joy that people got when I spoke over them? Yeah. Okay. So what you're going to do in a moment is you're going to stand up in either a circle of two or three and you're going to... One person in the group is going to look at one person and go, I'm going to bless you with. All right, so you're just going to give them a blessing. Don't have to make a prophecy. Just bless them, all right? Quickly, everyone stand up. See if you've got two, a person or two. Quickly find somebody. Give a wave in the air if you don't have anybody. Look around. Give a wave if you don't have anybody. All right, who's the person that's going to give the blessing? Quick, nominate someone. Someone's going to give the blessing. Put up, put up your hand if you're going to be the blesser. Come on, quickly work out who's going to do the blessing. I haven't seen. The, oh, yeah, good. Ready? You have exactly 40 seconds. Go. Mm. 
All right, stop there. I know I got in the middle of some of you, but I started late. Okay, practice number one. Is it the other person or one of the three? I want someone else to have a go. Now start with the words, I bless you with. Do you bless them with peace or prosperity? Just start. So you've got a sentence to start and then see what rolls out of your mouth, all right? Ready? Who's going to do it now? Give me a wave. Who's the next person on the... Oh, yeah, some of you are really shying away. Come on, have a shot at this. Ready, set, go. 40 seconds, go. Ten more seconds. Keep going. And stop. Now, how many of you felt really uncomfortable trying to do the blessing? Who felt really uncomfortable? Come on, give me a wave. Okay, so I want you to understand that when you do something for the first time or the second or the third, it's not easy. It might be simple, but it's not easy. But how many of you who got a blessing liked getting a blessing. Give me a wave. Ah, oh, now we've got the hands. All right, so watch what happened. Even though it was uncomfortable for you, the people that received got blessed. And this is what we've got to practice, that we've got to keep blessing one another. It can be short. It can be five seconds. What's your name? Jess. Jess, I love you in the pink and white with, the, with all the message on it. Jess, I bless you in the Name of Jesus because you are a woman of influence. You are someone that is going to change your world. You are a person that loves people deeply and you have been disappointed before, but you are going to be able to walk away from disappointment effortlessly. You're going to go, all right, they missed it. Next. Next one, next one, next one. You are going to continue to put blessings wherever you go in Jesus' Name. Amen. Okay. Do you think that this might be worth practising? Yes. So we need to practise it. Let me tell you some places. Yeah, you can sit, sit down, have a seat. Are you coping with me? Yes. Who wants to go home? Oh, you're very patient. You're very patient. I just get this point that when you do the blessing, that you're pouring out something that you know not of. You just put a little bit of effort in and God's the one that does all the filling. It's like praying. You do the praying, your words aren't quite right, but God does it anyway. All right, it's not about exactly what you say or how you say it. It's all about the state of your heart. He says, whatever you do by faith, blesses Him. If you do it by faith, it blesses God. So sometimes I miss it. You know, I'm driving down and I see someone like a homeless person and I think I should probably stop and give them the blanket in the back of my car. Oh, but it's my nice one. (laughs) Do you know, I go through these conversations all the time. I should have had the old one in there. Like, that's terrible, isn't it? But I'm honest, I do the struggle and then I just pull the car over to give me a moment to think because if you just keep driving, you just keep driving. 
I pull the car over and go, God, is it you or me? And sometimes I laugh because God's not talking to me. I'm not hearing an audible voice. But I get this feeling of giving the blanket away isn't your idea, honey. (laughs) You know, like, why do you think that you'd give the blanket away? It's like he's reminding me, I'm the one full of good ideas, Lisa. You just get to hear them. And I love that. So it's like, stop, stop, stop. Sometimes when you see someone that's asking for money, I always say to them, would you like a coffee? Can I buy you a drink? Would you like a pie? I just offer them food or drink. I don't give them cash. I know it's not helpful, but if they're hungry, I want to make sure they're fed. And I don't care when my friends go, oh, you shouldn't you know, encourage them. I'm like, it doesn't hurt to buy people food and drink. So that's just a little bit for all of us. It's a little go. All right, I've got to be finished, don't I? Am I meant to be finished by now? Okay, about now, Colin says, beautiful. Okay, so challenges. Some of you need to go running. Some of you need to skip to your car. Often, you need to skip across the car park. You need to stop worrying about what people think and start doing things that train you to worry less about what people think and more about what God asks. Because when God asks you, it's going to be a little bit, mm-mm, you're not going to be sure. So skipping is a very good thing. I teach executives to do this. They're walking down the hallway in their offices and I say, do one skip. I can't tell you how many men and women say that they laugh at themselves, they lighten up, they, they have another skip then. And sometimes they're really bold and go for a little skip. But you know, they said, it's working, Lisa. I'm letting go of my reputation and I'm allowing the joy of God to start showing in little tiny ways. Because people say, why are you skipping? And they've got a reason then to answer that. So tiny little thing, you need to sing more often. You need to find a song and you need to sing. And you know what? When Colin sings, I don't care what Colin sings, it is beautiful for me to hear my husband sing. It encourages me. It's like praying. When Colin prays, I melt. We're on the way to church this morning, he just starts praying. He starts, just gets it going. And when we go to bed at night, like last night, I was really tired and I'm like, let's put the app on. No, Colin says, just pray a little bit first. Just holds my hand, squeezes my hand, speaks words of life. We don't have to have a lot. You can just say, sometimes when we're arguing, we have this agreement that whoever is the least angry prays first. (laughs) In other words, we do need to pray if we're angry, but one of us has to start. And it might be here just at times when, you know, when I was aggro, he'd just go, Lord, bless my wife. Bless her for being a great mum. Do you know, like just that, I mean, how can you not melt? It's like I forgive you for everything. Because a blessing makes a difference and it softens hearts. And I have learned, I've had an incident in my own family that we nearly walked away from a member in the family. And I sat with God for two weeks and said, I'm justified, aren't I? He said, Forgive for me. He said, wipe it out as if it never happened. So I rang the family members members involved 
and said, let's just forget that ever happened. Forgiven. Let's just pretend it was a bad day and it shouldn't have come out and let's just move on as if it never happened. And guess who felt the freest? Me. Because it took them time to get free, but I felt so free. I went, oh, is this what forgiveness does when you think you're completely justified to hold on to it? It sets us free. I want you to be free tonight. I want you to be freer than you've ever been as you leave. I want you to run and skip and sing and and put on your apps at night and read your devotionals in the morning and come with your gift prayed up. I want to see that revival in Fire Church manifests in all these beautiful ways where it connects us one to another. So this is the way I pray when I'm teaching RE. So I'm going to ask you to join in. I'm going to ask you to put your giant funnel up. So I was teaching RE and one little boy, everyone else was praying like a Catholic, like I'd taught them. And one little boy did this. And I said, Joshua, what are you doing? He said, Mrs. Mack, I've got a lot of problems. I said, I'm sorry, Joshua. Everyone can pray like Joshua. So all of us put our hands up the giant funnel. Stretch your arms wide if you want a lot. Close your eyes and look up to heaven and smile at Jesus. Lord God, we come into Your presence in this moment with our arms wide open because You are our King. You are our wonderful Counsellor. You're the lover of our soul. You are our Saviour. And we thank You for saving us. We thank You that we're saved for a plan and a purpose. We thank You that You're taking us from strength to strength, that we are being transformed as we renew our thinking. And we're thanking You today for all that You've poured into our lap. And we're asking that You don't let us forget it. Don't let us drain out, Lord. Help us, Father, to keep it in our spirit, hold on to it and develop it. No train, no pain, no gain. We're in this for the long haul, Lord. We want to skip and run and sing all the way until we get to heaven. And we just bless You for putting us in the wonderful church called Fire Church in Jesus' mighty Name. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Whoa, let's go. Hey. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.